Welcome to the Journey of Integral Recovery Podcast, the podcast that follows three integral recovery practitioners on the journey of waking up, growing up, cleaning up, and showing up. Join us and our trailblazing guests as we apply the principles of integral recovery, daily practice, and the aqua map to transcend limitations, accelerate growth, and heal ourselves and hopefully the world. And now here are John Dupuy, Dr. Bob Weathers, and I'm Doug Prater with the Journey of Integral Recovery Podcast, Episode 20, Dr. Adam Gorman, Envisioning a Better Future Through Integral Recovery Practice. Welcome back, everyone. And this is Episode 20 of the Journey of Integral Recovery. And we have an extremely special guest today, Dr. Adam Gorman. And he and I go back a ways. I don't know, how. when did we uh, first meet? How long ago was that? Adam, thirteen years ago, uh, no, fourteen minimum. Yeah, minimum. So, so let me let me just give a little background, my perspective, and and uh, I met Adam. You must have been about eighteen when you came to work for Passages, yeah. The first time I ever met you was uh, we ran into each other. You gave me one of your CDs, but formally met I you uh, you hired me without ever asking my age. <laughs> no, you know, I, I, I remember the story. I've, I, of course, I've told my story. It probably doesn't reflect reality too much. But my perception, I was just starting this program called Passage to the Recovery, which is a, it was an adult wilderness program for people dealing with addiction and alcoholism, et cetera. And Adam had gone through the adolescent program, Aspen Achievement Academy, and got sober there. And then he went on to this therapeutic boarding school that was in the neighborhood. So he came in to, uh, you know, and, and, you know, this is really beautiful young man, you know, and it's like, I was like, and I was a boss. And he yeah. said, um, you know, I'd like to work for you guys. Well, how old are you, 18? No, how much, you, how much sober time you have? Like six months. Okay. Everybody in the programs, you know, in their late twenties and their thirties and everything. And, you know, we require at least two years of sobriety to be with them. So I said, oh, hell yeah. You know, just following my intuition. And Adam went out into the field with all these other guys and he was, he worked so hard and there was such honesty and innocence and goodness that everybody at first like, what the hell can you tell us about anything? And it, pretty soon he was just, he was totally adopted by the groups and, and everybody loved them. Then he went off to a Catholic university in Washington, D.C., got his four-year degree, came back and was a guide in a program that Pam and I helped start called uh, uh, Open Sky. And he moved from the little rookie that everybody loved just because he worked so hard and was so sincere to one of the best senior guides we'd ever have. And it just totally respected. And we started talking about integral recovery at that point. He went off to get his PhD or PsyD and become a doctor. And I'll just tell you that my perception of the story, you're, you are such an incredible example of courage and grittiness and stick to of this because you had all kinds of things that were getting in your way when you were working on your, you know, becoming a doctor. And now Adam is one of the leading voices in the integral recovery movement. He has a, uh, a practice where you gotta, you know, you gotta line up months in advance to, to do it. And he has become, we've written papers together. Uh, anyway, I just love you so much, Adam. I have so much respect for you and to been able to see you grow and, and from young manhood into the person you are today has been just one of the blessings, of, big blessings of my life. So I'll turn well, it over that, to you. Well, my friend, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't thank you for a better introduction. That was, uh, that was wonderful. And I always describe, uh, whenever I describe you, I always describe you as the uncle I never had. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you just played such a, a wonderful, uh, almost divine role in my life. Uh, the story that sticks out the most to me was I was close to leaving my clinical psychology program 
and uh, you had given me a copy of Integral Psychology, and I had, didn't have time to read it at the time, but uh, clinical psych wasn't what I wanted, wasn't feeling it, I didn't want to spend the money anymore. So I just out of uh, chance, I went over, picked up that, uh, that Ken Wilber book and, and fell in love, and I'm like, I gotta learn this. And just out of a chance of fate, I'm like, where do they teach this? And I was actually attending the one school in the country that actually had an integral <laughs> theory program. And I'm like, well, that kind of worked out then, didn't it? <laughs> it was uh, it, it was a, it was a wonderful turn of events, and and uh, can't thank you enough for that wonderful role you played in my life. So. Awesome. So so, what would you like to talk about? Do you want to talk about uh, you know your current practice? What you're learning? Uh, I, I actually got to. Um, to hang out with one of the, the young men that you've worked with. And uh, he swears by you. He said, this guy saved my life. You know, my whole mm. treatment thing was going downhill. And somehow I was in the right office at the right time. And there was a, an MD that I was meant. He says, you need to talk with Gorman over here. And uh, uh, he's an amazing young man. And every, every one of these lives that is redeemed uh, through the work we're doing just justifies just about everything we've you know gone through as far as suffering. And, and so, yeah, I started... John um, turned me on to not only an integral practice, but also uh, at the time, Holosync, which right. really started, uh, you know, that, uh, the predecessor to um, some of the earliest binaural B technology out there. And I started noticing some rapid growth. At the time, I was involved in the Diamond Approach program out in California. Um, and I noticed really early on just this the depth of my, of where I was going in my therapy experience was astronomical as opposed to before it <laughs> started incorporating other aspects of it, including, including, um, you know, uh, the physical aspect and everything. And I've really carried that through to my, uh, to my clients. And I just, you know, when you asked me to do the podcast, <clears throat> um, I was actually, I was actually reading uh, the New York times article that came out that said, uh, was those really awfully devastating numbers that just came out that uh, drug overdose is now the leading cause of death in people under 50. God, and, uh, you know, I'm sitting, I'm sitting, you know, uh, and I'm coming in so excited to talk about my practice and all the wonderful success that I'm seeing and all the wonderful stuff in Negro Recovery is happening, but we're losing this war right now. Yeah. And the most recent research that came out was they used to say, oh, um, that it's devastating white America. Well, they're finding out that it's totally um, no longer um, segmented to race anymore. The, uh, the death rate among African-Americans has spiked Asian-Americans. Pretty much any, um, any race has experienced a significant increase in uh, unintentional drug overdose. So the existing paradigm that's out there right now, it is not meeting our needs. It is not meeting our needs, and the time has come for some for just people out there to be throwing some things out there, to be trying some new things. Because it's not only the the awful events of the people overdose and dying, but that doesn't even account for their children. All the the overloaded foster care system, the the grandparents that are currently raising, you know, three and four year olds. It is putting a strain on so many communities that we've never even seen before. And this is an interesting statistic. Um, in some rural counties, 
the drug overdose death rate, death rate is on par with the amount of people lost in Vietnam and in World War II. The same amount of people in those struggles are dying in this one. So it's a really important time to be talking about this. And I'm really happy to be out here doing it. So yeah, I'm not, Adam, I, I, let me let me interject there. I read an article uh, a while back, but it said that 70 percent of the heroin addicts started their their opioid addiction with pain killing drugs prescribed by MDs to them. Yep. West yeah. Virginia just currently follow uh, it filed the lawsuit against some of the biggest pharmaceutical companies out there for pumping their state. And again, I don't quote me on this statistic, but I think it was a year's supply for every man, woman, and child in West Virginia had a full, su- full supply of Oxycontin or one of its uh, sibling drugs. So it is, yeah, big pharma plays a role in it, but also at the same time, we are, the current budget under proposal is looking at drastically slashing any form of treatment out there. So now's the time for alternative perspectives. And what I love about Integral is that, you know, the, the, you know, the iAwake technology, it can reach rural communities. You know, so many people, they 50 miles from a treatment center. There are so many things for these communities that first they lost all their industry. And then that was only phase one. Phase two was the heroin came after that. So it was, you know, there's a lot of places in this country that don't get enough um, attention paid to it that I think integral recovery could play a role in, uh, in assisting. So, um, but yes, on that, on that charming note. <laughs> no, but thank you for the reality sandwich there. Adam. Yeah. It's really, really moving. Adam, we, we have a lot of fun on this podcast sometimes, but uh, I thank you for the reminder that this is a very serious thing and it's life or death. And, and, for reminding us of, of the necessity of looking at this problem from all four quadrants to find mm. a solution and shift that paradigm. Well, you know, but I, I also, um, I also took a lot of heart in the fact that <clears throat> all my primary skill sets professionally and personally have been um, leading me to aid, you know, probably one of the biggest epidemics out there now. So it's uh you know, it, it was, it was very bittersweet. It's like, okay, I can, you know, I can do something about this. Certainly not saying any of us are going to solve it, but we can put a dent in it. And yeah, it's an integral recovery is exactly the paradigm shifting four quadrant approach that's needed now that previous paradigms really haven't lived up to. Uh, or, I have a, or, Go ahead. I have a very young, young daughter and I've been reading her this book that I found when I volunteered at the library many years ago that she loves now called uh, Zen Socks by a guy named John mm-hmm. J. Muth. And it's uh, Zen stories and Buddhist stories for children, which is great. But <laughs> that's great. one of the final ones in this book, uh, they're visiting a beach and there are a bunch of starfish out laid across the sand. The tide's going out and what are they going to do? All these poor starfish are going to die. They start throwing them back in the water and say, we'll never save them all. The little girl picks one up, throws him back in the Mm -hmm. water and says, well, made a difference to him. Mm -hmm. There you go. And so, you know, there's a lot going on. We may not ever win the war completely, but every single person that we can touch, that we can help, it makes a huge difference to them. Yeah, thank you. But, you know, and uh, you're you're 100% right. And uh, last month I saw 107 clients and I would say two thirds of those were uh, um, for some addiction related matter. 
uh, anywhere on the spectrum to full-blown addict to abusers trying to uh, get it under control. And uh, I really, I do assess for that. Not everyone is an addict and, um, right. and uh, that, has to, that has to be named as well. But I don't, I start with the practices and I have to give all you guys incredible credit because your podcast has made my life so much easier. <laughs> and because uh, every, because I bought uh, a stack of John's books and uh, part of your initial assessment fee is you get a copy of Integral Recovery. And, um, you know, I put it in their hand. I figure I'd cut out Amazon and, you know, break even on uh, the investment, but then you got to get them to read it, <laughs> right? So this podcast has, I said, okay, don't even read the book. Just listen to the podcast. And, um, you know, people have just been really, one, they like you guys, they've been finding you very warm and, uh, and just, they, enjoy, they look forward to each one. But for the people new to integral recovery, it's much easier to um, understand and it's much easier to apply. Yeah. And for the people who have read integral recovery, fill in the gaps. So, and there were a lot of gaps because there's a lot to take in and having something that's engaging and you can listen to in your car and your commute has really given me a leg up. So you've given me a wonderful tool. So thank you for that. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thank, thank you. you. What an inspiration. Really. That's really encouraging. But, um, you know, so I don't, in the first session, um, I, you know, I take a detailed life history, but I don't go into pain. I don't go into trauma. I honor it. You know, I, I validate it, but I don't try and solve it. What I immediately do is explain, you know, binaural beat technology. I awake and I, you know, and I basically say, if your current level of resources could have solved what you came to me to see, you would have already done it. You wouldn't need me. So we need to up your energetic level to a point to where we actually have some leverage over it. So for me to take you down and do extreme depth work beyond honoring and validating, I find to be just not so much counterproductive, but they're not the best use of our time. For a few weeks, we talk nothing about except practice. We start That's setting so awesome, up this and, and I And I tell, and I, you know, they, we also pick a new addiction. So we, you know, we go into the brain, the midbrain, the prefrontal cortex. And I say, I, you know, you, I want you to be an addict. You're an addict, I'm an addict, but we need some, we need an addiction that serves us. So let's find out what it is. And we pick a new addiction. And then I think the, the most important part of the first three or four weeks that I do is I honor the sacrifice of giving up drugs and alcohol because it is, I've been in recovery 16 years myself and I loved every drug I ever did. I loved every cigarette I ever smoked. I loved every, I loved every individual drug. I just hated being an addict, <laughs> you know, the individual, right, right, right. <laughs> the individual experiences, those are hard to let go of. Letting go of being an addict, that's what I gave up. But, it, you know, it's those individual experiences that can pull us back. So I said, I, I, I want them, I have all my clients look at giving up drugs and alcohol as a, a sacrifice in the traditional sense. What you're giving it up has to be worthy of the vision you have for it. So we do a lot of visioning. What do you want your life to be? You know, what is going to be worthy of this sacrifice? That's, that's brilliant, Adam. Amen. And, uh, and people really take to that, particularly the young men. Yeah. And, um, 
So as we're visioning, as we're honoring the sacrifice, as we're building that leverage, um, we're, they're, they're getting to trust me, I'm getting to know them. And when we do, and there's a moment and any, any therapist will know when the time is right, you just know, and you go in, having something like the binaural, having a new addiction that I can send someone immediately to the gym up the street, having um, to be able to send someone to yoga class or something else, that is incredible. It really, really is incredible because it, it's, that extra, it's that extra layer of protection that if you just start drilling, you don't have. That's right. And then, and then when they have a breakthrough of any kind, I always tell, when they're feeling really good, I always tell them to give credit to where the credit's due. One, themselves, but two, the practices. Yeah, it's right. the practices that enabled the feeling. And I use the analogy of <clears throat> if you were a diabetic, you weren't taking your insulin, you weren't eating right, weren't working out, living just basically an awful lifestyle, <clears throat> you'd feel awful, but then you started doing everything you should be doing, taking your insulin and you feel good. And then, and then the diabetic says, uh, I think I'm feeling pretty good. It's under control. I think I'm going to stop taking my insulin because yeah. I'm fixed now. It's like, no, no, maybe no, the not. insulin is why you're feeling good. Uh -huh. And to really link and spend, I will go, oh, I will devote more time to, a, to building an association with the binaural, with um, the new addiction, with the visioning yeah. and all of that so that they can associate no why you're feeling so good and why you're taking action steps in your life is the, is because of the resources, all of this has been giving you. And that's when, um, and so I've found I originally in my practice, I would, you know, I'd give a tutorial on the whole integral recovery map and my success rates weren't as Good. You know, basically I'm the, the, the integral recovery map is mine now and yes. we're applying it in around six months. I'll really give that talk now and show, mm -hmm. but not tell them, not tell them what it is. I'll show them what it is in their life. So I'm applying yeah. it to them and saying all of this working in conjunction, all these multiple revenue streams of of, uh, of energy and effort is why you feel this way. And I, and I'm, I'm feeling, uh, I'm, I'm just noticing some wonderful, wonderful results with it. That's so cool. You know, and being integral is not definitely shoving, uh, the, the, the map down people's throats, but it's meeting people where they're at and, and telling what they need to hear at the time. And there's a time, you know, and there may be some people that are just totally ready for all the kind of intellectual stuff, but, First and foremost, integral is a practice, and you just mm -hmm. nailed it. I mean, you're, you're leading with, you know, and, and many times I've noticed in my students in the past, they are so not ready to hear any of this stuff. They're, they need to meditate. They need to practice. They need to eat right. They need to get their bodies and their souls back. And then at some point, we can start approaching this stuff. And originally, I was working with students. Uh, they sent me all these uh, DVDs of Ken Wilber teaching everything. And I said, man, I'm just going to turn these guys on, and everybody's eyes were crossing. <laughs> and smoke started coming out of there. Like, all right, all right, that's not going to work. So let, let, let's start over. And that's when I started. I said, my name would dumb it down, Dupuy. You know, I started like, let's let's practice. Let's start talking about it. And then I would have the students, uh, okay, you're going to 
I'll teach the four quadrants next Wednesday. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> you better either talk to me or read the book or something. Then have the students start teaching the different aspects of it. Anyway, mm-hmm. it, was, it was a great time. Uh, Adam, mm-hmm. I find a lot of value in what you're saying right now. And John, what you contributed to this too. As a, as a type five myself, my orientation would be, well, I have to learn the whole entire model and understand everything. But that's not where the answer is. It's getting in there and doing the work, doing the practices first. Mm-hmm. You can add that understanding mm-hmm. later. Otherwise, you get stuck. Um, you said something else, Adam, that I found really valuable too, which is visioning a different future. And for a lot of addicts, this was certainly true for myself. There's a hopelessness that a better future is even possible that even if you can imagine it, uh, right. You know, you, you don't think it can happen or happen for you and that it's just too hard. Things are too bad. So I imagine that, um, you're working with the clients and using the binaurals really helps to overcome that along with the small victories that they accumulate through, uh, doing the work each day. No, absolutely. So what I found is, you know, um, it's so, because it's so very, and this is what the practice is actually producing an individual much more rapidly um, than um, in the traditional therapy that I was started off in treatment is what happens is when you first want to get sober, at least in my experience, maybe not for everybody, but it's either shame or you don't want to die or, you know, your life is, you know, unmanageable, but, but you still can't conceive of why it's worth it. And it's only, and you do it almost with a gun to your head. And it's only when you've had that experience of joy, of freedom, of a spiritual awakening, that that you're like, oh, this is why. Then you begin to guard that feeling with your lifestyle and actually look at drugs and alcohol as a threat to it. But that's not the first thing. You need to have that experience that, you can't comprehend initially. And that's what the practices I found rapidly propel people towards in a way that you kind of, you know, pardon the language, you kind of, in other, in other forms of therapy. And again, I, I'm not, I don't know all forms, you know, I'm sure there are other rap ones out there. Sometimes you got to fall ass backwards into it. <laughs> you know, it's like, Oh, okay. But I know if one of my clients to put on the headphones every day, And for, you know, as much as they can, I say, if you can't do an hour, do 20 minutes. I'd rather you'll get 20 minutes worth of value at it as opposed to nothing. And um, I know that over time, they will eventually have that experience and they'll get their leverage. And and if they've chosen a new addiction, they'll get addicted to that. And then then there's movement possible. Yeah. Dr. William Glasser wrote the book, uh, uh, Reality Therapy, and a bunch of other books, too. And he talked about positive addiction. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, you know, so if you're going to get into something, you know, it's like and obviously you can get extreme and everything. But I totally know if I don't work out, I start going nuts after a few days. I just got to mm-hmm. do something. I'll just, you know, get I hit the floor and start doing push ups or something. I got to work out and I certainly have to meditate, you know. Right. Well, I always assume that they're going to, you know, say they're sober for a year, they'll be, they'll have the skill set to recognize I'm using this addictively, but you know, um, it's, it's certain, you know, but they'll be sober when they do it as a, sometimes you need a bridge, you need a healthy bridge addiction to act, you know, um, to actually get you through. And, uh, that's actually kind of 
one of the ways I cut corners. I said, be an addict, be an addict right now. <laughs> you have permission. Oh, thank God. You know, when I was doing, uh, when our, our house was a treatment center here, we have our meditation room upstairs and we get it, you know, our four or five students, whatever there were, and they start meditating, you know, I'd make them meditate an hour in the morning and an hour in the afternoon. Can you imagine like guys right off the street, guys and gals right off the street meditating too. And when the first, the first couple of weeks, it looks like somebody threw a grenade in the meditation room. They were flopped out on the pillows and all this stuff. And after about a week, you know, and, and by week two, people are actually assuming the position, you know, they were, mm. and we would say, you know, after the meditation, well, what was your experience like? And that would lead us into the depth and it would become our, our, our group therapy work because they were opened up by the meditation. And I started noticing like a lot of people that, who have been, you know, that are addicts, we've been wounded by so many things, but we've been wounded by religion. And so the whole idea of meditation, praying, spirituality, like, screw you, I don't do this. And I noticed after about a couple of weeks, almost everybody could really differentiate between spirituality and religion. Uh, a new recovering addict in two weeks, that's a phenomenal leap. It's taken us years and years to figure that up sometimes. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's huge. And yeah, and I run into exactly the same thing. Everyone just gets guarded. Like, you know, the next thing I'm going to do is hand them some religious texts. But the way I explain the binary, if someone has a pre-existing, um, you know, faith, I, I will link it to their faith. I'll link it to their faith in whatever way that I can. But really, I, I get very scientific. I just basically say, put these headphones on. And what will happen is these are brainwaves you experience every single day, but it's the duration and the pattern of them that's so remarkable. It's the pattern of brainwaves. They're not new brainwaves. They're the exact same brainwaves you've always had, but it's just the amount of time and the, um, and, uh, and the duration of them that is really going to be remarkable. And, they, and that actually I found to be one of the best ways in with it. And people are like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll try it. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and this is a new thing, you know, we don't, this whole idea of integral practice, you know, that we just kind of, oh, got my genes, you know, and I kind of dumb luck into what I'm good, you know, and I go, you know, and I, I go get a piece of paper that says I'm an expert and we carry on from there. But the idea that you have to work, you know, these four essential things, you got to work your body, you got to work your mind, you got to do your emotional work, your shadow work, and you have to have a, a, a true uh, uh, interior contemplative practice that gets you to the great mystery that abides in yourself and everybody else and everything else, you know, mm-hmm. and you put that together and, and Diane Hamilton, Zen teacher, friend of mine, her definition of practice is the cultivation of whatever it is through repetition. So the cultivation of spirituality or fitness mm. or sobriety through repetition, that's what practice is, you know, and, and you've got to push yourself and you got to show up. But you're like saying, get this new addiction. You can say, hey, you can be an addict, but you're going to be addict to, to positive mm. things now. You know, that's right. Love it. You know, uh, it's been one thing that I've been playing with and kind of like my new tool that I'm really finding to be kind of a really good end around, um, you know, between, you know, some people don't know where they are. Am I an addict or am I an abuser? And I find that um, framing it in terms of all the recent research that's been coming out on success and how um, being able to endure discomfort and tolerate stress is directly, the resiliency component is directly tied to, um, to any form of success and whatever they define it to be. And even abusing, you know, I don't hate marijuana, you know, because of, you know, the primary reason. The reason I hate marijuana is so much is because it activates the same center of the brain that you would get from a workout or 
taking um, or, or, or taking a chance on, you know, going up and maybe talking to that girl or going up and, uh, you know, maybe asking to play in that band or trying out for something. Yep. When you activate the same reward center, it keeps people on the sideline and it denies the world um, the gifts that are naturally innate in you. And most of all, when what people with their eyes really perk up at is it's directly contrary, even if you're not shooting heroin in an alley, to um, lack of six or, or deathbed regrets. Yeah, and, and, and lack of motivation and ever actualizing you're going to be. And, you know, as far as marijuana, I think it's probably the least harmful of all these substances mm -hmm. that people are abusing right now to include alcohol. And I think probably the legalization of it is probably a good thing. People have to make their choices, mm -hmm. but it is addictive, not to everyone, but certainly to some people. And sure. the, the primary thing, it just dumbs you down and keeps you from being the person you're supposed to be. And that is a tragedy. You know, you may not be like beating people up like a raging alcoholic. And, you know, I mean, there's, uh, you know, uh, potheads are saying, but, 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 the very thing that you delineated there is the, the tragedy of, you know, of marijuana dependence. You just mm. never get there. Mm. Yeah. You can't it, fail at smoking marijuana. You can't do it wrong. It's not going to reject you. It's not going to turn you down. It's not going to tell you you're stupid. And that's exactly the danger because taking those risks is a very scary thing. And again, that's, I'm sure, I'm sure you probably have more to say on this, but that's why the practices are so important because you start to build that resiliency through confronting challenging things every day. Mm -hmm. You know, nobody wants to work out either. I mean, maybe, maybe you do eventually, but you, you get yourself to do it anyway and you start to feel good about it. You build those mm -hmm. rewards in, in a positive and, and reinforcing way. All of us start out with no motivation, no discipline, hate to suck at something, you know, to learn a new skill, you got to be a beginner. You're going to be terrible when you begin, you know, you don't know anything about anything, but, if you do that, and, and it's not enough just to tell people not to do drugs or not to drink or this, what do you do? What do you do to achieve your happiest, best, authentic happiness self? And when you get ready to lay your body down and so said it was time well spent, mm -hmm. and I'm grateful, you know? Yeah. So. Mm -hmm. So, and uh, no, it's so true. And one component, uh, one thing that I kind of uh, came to in uh, my integral recovery <laughs> uh, uh, private practices, I had to solve a problem that um, um, that kept coming up because a lot of my kids were young. Um, and even so, say you do it right. You, you hit the nail on the head, you know, 10 times out of 10, which none of, you know, <laughs> no Freud, young, none of them, <laughs> you know, it's you, sometimes you overshoot. And it's like, okay, I want to be sober, but I can't conceive of how. How will I do all this? So what I found is fun. And within the limits of my license, I can only see them in that office. So what I actually found was, and this was actually, I'd never been exposed to this. There are all these um, AA conventions for young people, and they occur pretty much every month and every weekend. And it's almost like uh, Sober Grateful Dead. All these young sober kids <laughs> going to it. It's incredible. And what I found was, I found one kid, he's not a kid, he's a man. I mean, he's a very old soul. He's like an AA St. Francis. And, um, I paid his rent, um, for, uh, for a few months. Don't tell my wife, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, and I just said, every kid that um, I send to you, I need you to take them there. And I need you to, even if they don't have fun, I need you to, 
um, I, I need you to know that there are people out there who are young, who are like them, who are experiencing laughter and fun, all the things that a, th a therapy office isn't really conducive to in one hour. Um, that there's so many wonderful things. And when you add the, I want to with, I can't envision it. And then they're just like, Hey, I'll, there's a van coming to pick you up at this amount of time. So, uh, and then they drive them off to Massachusetts from New York and they have this wonderful experience. I found that that's when they really come alive. And that's when you can link the fun with all the practice work, when the payoff is that apparent and they actually, you know, a few of them, one of the most yeah. beautiful times in my therapy, right, is when they described laughing again. And they knew then they realized they hadn't laughed in so long. Like, and I'm talking like not haha, like a belly laugh mm -hmm. with tears. And it was just, that was a, for a few of them, that was their moment. It's like, yeah, this is worth it. And that's what the practices will lead you up to experiencing if you just put the headphones on and hit the gym and just take a shot you know, is what I've found at, at its simplest. Wow. Dr. Bob, you've been rather uh, silent, so oh, maybe... just taking it in. I'm, no. A couple of thoughts. Adam, I love the uh, innovative spirit that you're sharing with us today. I sure hope that you're planning on writing this down, and I'd love to help you. We can help you do that, because I think it's really important to get this out there, not only in the form of a podcast, but also out to fellow professionals I just think what you're doing is really uh, leading as you just bow to that, Adam. Really, really, uh, really appreciative. Very, very appreciative. Very respectful. Um, I, I had one comment and then one question. Uh, one comment was related to what we were talking about earlier. Um, in, I, I love the way that you talk about uh, providing a reason for why am I doing this? You know, what is what, you know, in terms of what is my vision for my life? And how it is that drugs, including marijuana, undercut that. It reminds me of the way that Carl Jung talked about alcoholism. And he said what it does is it, it attacks our moral stamina, was the, mm. was the phrase he used. And if mm -hmm. you think about what we're talking about, it's like in order to, you know, in psychology, we talk about optimal frustration. In order mm -hmm. to endure optimal frustration, I need to have stamina. And it's exactly what gets uh, undermined by, mm. by my addictions, by our addictions. It's mm -hmm. like a, a poor form substitute, or one person calls it, it's like a toxic mimic for, mm -hmm. um, for uh, uh, feeling good about ourselves, but, it, but it's a counterfeit. It, it ends up mm -hmm. substituting for the real deal. Uh, so I really resonated with that, and I love what you're doing in terms of helping clients to line that up. I think it, it's made a huge difference in my own recovery, for sure, to feel like, what's the reason for this season? You know, why do I want to do this? I do have a question for you, Adam, and I wanted to ask it in the context of our many conversations here in our podcasts. Um, my own involvement with the 12-step uh, movement, which has been a very important part of my own uh, growth and so on, is that there's been less attention given to practice, whether it's you know the 11th step around prayer and meditation or expanding that to include our bodies, uh, including uh, 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 Supplements, for example, uh, uh, binaural beats, etc. Um, what's your? How does this go for you practically in your practice when you run into people that are um, embedded or are deeply appreciative for twelve steps, and you're introducing all of this stuff to do? I'm just. I, it's kind of like. Do you do you run into ever into a kind of a worldview clash that requires translation? Just wherever that goes for you, I'm interested to hear your response. Sure. So I. <laughs> 
I get them when they're rarely ever, they've, they've had some exposure to 12 step. Um, and it's, uh, some of them, most of them are brand new to the program. Okay. And I, okay. the when the way I, cause it, there's a cutoff around 29. If you're a professional, you know, the AA grateful dead circuit, they really don't resonate with. And so there's another group of other professionals that, um, I connect them with. And, um, so really I, the way I, I, I love AA, I love the 12 steps and I always explain it that AA is not like the boy scouts. You don't, you don't get 12 merit badges. You do the 12, you don't do the 12 steps. The 12 steps do you, they transform you. And, um, but I, I, I leave that until they can associate their new peer group that they've hopefully formed mm. with AA. So mm. there's an association with mm. these people that have shown them something they couldn't consider. Them. And it's like, oh yeah, by the way, they work the 12 steps. <laughs> and so nice. you got to almost cloak it in a little, in a, in a little sense, because it can be very tough to get some, someone in there and, you can lose entire sessions to battling, you know, fighting from low ground um, on what is an alcoholic and what isn't, what isn't one. I actually try and throw that argument over, uh, overboard. And I actually say, um, so, all right, I have my opinion based on what you've said about the amount you're drinking and the consequences. What I, what I think doesn't matter. And it's like, I don't want you to die. Um, and that, of course, morally and ethically, that's not, um, that, that is the worst case, you know, worst case scenario professionally. But I actually think there is another worst case scenario past death. And that would be living in the same emotional conditions you're living in right now forever. And I then, I thought I really enjoyed, there's been some wonderful research at a hospice on death, on deathbed regrets. And, um, you know, the thing about people on their deathbed is they get chatty, <laughs> you know, and um, they, they interviewed quite a few of them. And I actually hand them a list of the most common deathbed regret in people's lives. And I said, what are you doing to avoid this? And how is your current life yeah. Yeah. eating you and avoiding what so many people couldn't? And yeah. I said, you've got to do that. And that hits home. That hits yeah. home with them. Because yeah. I said, maybe you're an addict. Maybe you're not. I don't care. What I care about is the quality of your life, whether that includes alcohol or drugs or it doesn't. And that's where they really, the old, you you know, one thing, you know, uh, John and John has had a million of the same conversations you have, you know, with new people. I'm not an addict, you know, I can do it. And it's like, it's like, okay, so maybe you can, but what are you also sacrifice sacrificing with it? And um, I also try and bring in the heroic quest of what they're doing. You know, that I have one, one part of my first session is I, I always say, you want to play at a higher level, right? And uh, I said, whether it's law, being a lawyer, you know, uh, you want a relationship, you want whatever it is. I said, and you've been crying out whether to God or just to the, you know, in your head for some, for uh, something greater. I said, this is the world answering your prayers. You, it's working you in order to get that. You weren't just going to become it. And when they say there's something that they've truly craved on the other end of this, there's motivation. I don't know if that answered your question. That's brilliant. I just want to say it again, Adam. I really appreciate the the newness 
and the uh, uh, the ambition of your thinking. I just really, I, I've been listening this hard this entire time, trying to keep my jaw from dropping. Really respect the level of work. I met you five years ago, and my goodness gracious, <laughs> maybe four, or maybe four, but it's it's been those years. It's really extraordinary. It's really testimony to the work you're doing. It really shows. Really shows. Uh, I really am sincere about this. I'd love to talk about this further, about how this can be uh, gotten out there, because what you're doing kind of in the smithy of the soul is invaluable to this burgeoning movement. I just think it's really fabulous what you're describing. Total respect. Total respect. Oh, deep bow, and thank you so much, my friend. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, you know, I have to credit, and thank you so much. And I don't think of it in grand terms like that. I mean, I actually, I can give some of the credit to John for hiring me, uh, you know, because I was fresh out. Yeah, of I've had college. some dumb hires in my my professional career, but you don't go in that column, Adam. <laughs> I appreciate that. But you know what? But you know what it was? It was that whole wilderness therapy guy thing of here's six here's six kids go do therapy with them, and you had however long of a shift to just be a laboratory for it, and it was, um, and it was that you had to think outside the box, and it was it was it's like okay what do you know what do we got <laughs> you know what can we work with and it was really um the, uh, the working at open sky and you know, originally it was my first job at passages i didn't i mean i i i assisted but more i got to observe and i got to observe some real masters into it and i just i just you know i imagine if it, you know uh it was like um someone who became a guitar player when they first heard Jimi hendrix i was just yeah. like oh my God, you know, this is happening and I'm watching it and I want to learn how to do that. And then I find, you know, that was, I had a really high standard. Um, just, I got to observe and I've been blessed beyond blessed my, my entire life with the lineage of mentors whose energy I just had to sit in. And it's been, it's been really, really, I, I, I've been blessed beyond measure and I, Bob, and Bob, thank you. I would love to, if you think there's value to it, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I would love to in some way get it out there. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. it's just really like one thing that we're all seeing in the data that I opened with um, indicated is no one has figured this out. Yeah. It, we're losing ground. We are losing ground. We are not advancing in any way to help families, to help kids. Um, we haven't even talked about the the trauma and the ripple effects from all those overdoses and death on the children, on the family. That's, you know, those are all of us. It's just, it's, 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 you can't conceive of it and we haven't mastered it. And if anything, of course, obviously within the bounds of ethics and the bounds of safety, but it should give all of us license in this industry to try some new things out there because we need new paradigms. We need new approaches. We have to, we got to save some lives because so many people are dying. You bet. You know, when I, when I first approached you with this stuff, you were, you were a senior guide at, uh, at uh, Open Sky. And I was only like a year, a year and a half into this whole journey myself. And I remember, I got to get this to Adam. You know, so I think I gave you a Holosync CD. Thanks, Bill. Mm-hmm. And I gave you my dog-eared copy of Integral Psychology. You know, here, you yep. got to read this. Listen to this. And, you know, 
whatever, John. <laughs> and then eventually, you know, the seed, you know, the rain came and boom, and then just uh, just moved on from there. So you've been right there at the beginning of this whole thing. It's been amazing to see how you develop. If that, you know, that book stayed on my shelf for probably three years. And if you hadn't have given me that copy, I might be selling solar panels now. I mean, God only knows. I probably <laughs> not that that's not a noble profession, but probably not your particular vocation. Exactly. Well, exactly. I would be in. I would have. I would have started down some other road. I'd be asking you for discounts on solar panels right now if you had been. So, um, <laughs> but you know, I wanted to. You know, talking about if you're an addict or not. When I when I first started doing this stuff, I was in the wilderness program. I was teaching teenagers about this stuff. So I had this group. Am I an addict? You know, and I said, look, I have no agenda to make anybody an addict or say you are, or you aren't, if you aren't, you know, but let's just go through what it is, you know, and, and uh, it's like you wake up first thing in the morning when you come out of your fog thinking about where am I going to get my next drink, my next line, my next fix, mm-hmm. my next tote and all the stuff. And it's like, if it's true, normal people don't think like that, you know, <laughs> so and, uh, you know, hey, if you can drink, drink, you know, bon appetit, have a good time. If you can't, you got to get real. That's all. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and if you want to waste the next 20 years proving you can't drink, then, we'll, you know, freedom's freedom. Yeah, freedom to be a slave is freedom, I guess. But anyway, uh, you know, go ahead. And in the early AA, it goes, oh, I can control my drinking. They said, well, go try to control some drinking. Get some control drinking and come back and tell us how it's working. They come back, you know, two months later. Oh, okay. Fuck you guys. I need you. (laughs) You know, so, yeah, it's just about getting honest and getting real and then using the best of what we know to become the best version of who you are. And there's a lot of joy. And there's also, Mm -hmm. like you were saying, the the heroic struggle and the grittiness. I love that term. Uh, Dr. Angela Duckworth, she wrote the book called uh, Grittiness or Grit or something like that. And it's just the ability to stick with it. Uh, mm-hmm. and work hard for long-term results. And yes. in the beginning, nobody can do that. So you need yes. support, you need groups, you need coaches, you need therapists, you need people to be your auxiliary egos and your auxiliary willpower before it kicks in uh, yourself. And you don't, you're don't, you not expected to be able to do this you know, on your own in the beginning. Uh, by definition, an addict can't. You know, If you can just pull yourself up by your bootstraps and say, oh, this sucks, obviously, I quit. You're not an addict. You're just somebody who's been abusing drugs and you walk away and go, you know, I'm done. It's exactly. And it's funny. I would say 80% of my clients, I, I leave them with one thing. I said, um, and even if they're nowhere near ready, um, I, I leave them with this. I, um, because I told you about my rapid response team of like young people who all they want to do is service and get and pick up people and get them to meetings. I tell them in the first or second session, I said, I'm going to, you know, I, you know, they say, you know, doc, you know, Dr. Gorman, thank you. This was, this was a good session. I'm like, mm, don't thank me. I said, I'm going to call on you one day yeah. and I'm going to call on you to help someone else. And you will be the one they turn to for hope. And some of them laugh, but without fail, it's some, there's, a, there's some inherent quality in finding that spark in someone and recognizing how one's life experience will eventually be a benefit to others and seeing that in them, letting them know one day I'm going to call on you to help someone who can't, yes. who's close to dying. And all of them, they love it. They love it because... I don't know what it is, but there, I there's do a know. No, there's a nobility 
in, mm-hmm. in, in the journey. And there's a nobility that our souls crave. We want to be of service. You know, we want to help. We want to have an impact. And to be called on that, you know, just suddenly it takes you out of your kind of, you know, your narcissistic whirlpool of chasing your tail and thinking how horrible you are. And all of a sudden, oh, you know, there's something to be done here. Uh, it's, it's just tremendous. I love that, Adam. Well, and uh, that that young man who John was, I sent uh, a young man I knew who, out to Utah, very sweet, kind young man. And he was smart, too. smart. And uh, did you play with him? Is he a drummer? Is, is he? Uh, yes, uh, we did. Yes. And he is. And we played tennis together, too. And uh, he's got potential. Good. Well, thank you so very much. And thank you. But he was thanking me. And I said, I said, well, you're welcome. But I had, you know. I send a lot of my clients to where you go and work. And I said, you're doing this for me too. I said, you're going to be taking care of the clients and my clients in the wilderness. I said, don't think for a second. This is, I said, I'm doing this because spirit is is telling me you need to be out there, but I want you out there with those kids. Um, And that, you know, so that was, uh, I was glad I could give that to him. So. Yeah, I mean, one in- interesting antidote, uh, you know, I-, I think he's a five on the Enneagram. And so the second day I, I gave him, uh, you know, the book that I've been plugging here, The Wisdom of the Enneagram, I said, read chapter five. And this is not traditional way people come to recognize your phone. You're supposed to read it all and everything, but also in time, I catch him just sitting there like a good five, absorbing it all. And after he's finished, I said, well, what do you think? He says, I'm a five and a half. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, so how are we doing on time, Doug? I think we're about ready. Um, Adam, I wanted to ask you two more questions here before we wrap up, and I guess you guys can give some concluding thoughts too. But uh, do you have any particular I awake tracks that uh, you find oh, work work well for your clients? And second, what's the best place for people to learn more about your work? Best way to get in contact? Best way mm-hmm. to reach you? Um, so, um, yes, actually. And I never, I, I didn't tell you about the, uh, my little spice that I've added to the integral practice, did I? The on-demand machine. Um, no, so I start them on the tiers or, you know, if they buy it, you know, they buy it. If they can't afford it, typically uh, they'll find, you know, the, the, you know, it's like, all right, they'll get it or they'll download the free track on it and then they love it. They start just the tiers. <laughs> And the release tracks, three days, tier one, one day release tracks, three days, tier one, one day release tracks. But for, for a lot of my clients, and I wish I could clone myself, um, I, I, I was see, just thinking that we're going to have to clone Adam here because his practice is like overflowing right now. It's, you know, I mean, it's the need, you know, it's the need if, uh, you know, it would really say something about me if, if uh, my business was overflowing and I was a typewriter repairman, but there's so much work out there, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, uh, but, but what I, what I do is, um, I use a machine called Ondamed. I see them for one session of therapy and then there's a bioenergetic machine called Ondamed, which has been shown, it works with harmonics and it works with, um, frequency that, that stick, um, prompts the body to release certain neurochemicals and, and to relax and to uh, decrease stress. And as we all know, stress biggest cause of relapse. They do that once a week, and then I have them. Uh, uh, then they're on. They're doing their binaural. Um, and then I've had incredible, incredible results with it. My wife has Lyme disease, and she was treating it. And when you treat it, you it, the bugs attack. You. You, and there's really a lot of anxiety. She called me home one day. It was too intense. She said, you're going to check me into a hospital or you're going to take me an hour and a half away to do this machine. I said, all right, honey, let's do this. She never heard of it. 
She went in, she did the machine for an hour and um, she, I, I had my wife back for a few days. It, it calmed her that much. And I was like, I don't know. I said, I can use this to help addicts. <laughs> so I went out, got a $5,000 loan and I put it in my office and I use it on uh, a large number of my people in early recovery with tremendous results. That's awesome. So, um, so my practice is in Albany, New York, and I'm hoping to, I, I you know, um, I'm, I'm really good at, um, you know, helping addicts, but structure in the next phase, I, I don't know what it looks like because not that, um, you know, not that, uh, I couldn't start it. It's just the paradigm right now is I don't have time. <laughs> I don't have time to plan it, which I'm, it's a good problem to have, but so I'll be, you know, I'm hoping to broad branch out within soon, you know, um, within soon, maybe open a center, train some people really try and expand to broaden, you know, people's exposure to it because there are so many people that would benefit from it. Hey, Adam, some, some doors open today. We can talk offline. I mean, off the, off the show about it, that I want to bounce mm -hmm. off you and show you yeah, what's absolutely. going on. So mm -hmm. great stuff. Hey, look, I think we need to, to wrap this. Adam, you got to be a frequent guest and you're just doing pioneer work and yes, you know, you're, you're just amazing. And I'm so grateful for you. And, um, just awesome. So God bless you, my friend. And by the way, Adam is on a vacation with his family and he's talking, you know, in a, the business compartment of the hotel he's staying at. So I really appreciate you taking time off from your family and your time off to be with us, Adam. It really means a lot. Well, it was the least I could do for a man who uh, you know, saw an 18 year old walk into his office and basically say, hey, I want to be a wilderness therapy guide. Can I hang out with you guys? And you're just like, yeah, sure. Why not? You know? And we'll pay you. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll give you a paycheck. So, you know, I, all of you, all of you are part of this new paradigm that is the world is saying every day that it needs. So uh, it was my it was my deep honor to be part of it. And just to be mentioned amongst you guys is, you know, um, you know, I don't see myself up there, but thank you so much for even, you know, uh, uh, letting me share my perspectives. It's been a wonderful experience and I would love to come back anytime that I can, uh, anytime that I can join you, just let me know. And, uh, you know, hopefully there won't be anyone printing airline tickets. The first time. <laughs> Blessings to you, Adam. Blessings. Much love. Thanks, Blessings. Adam. God bless, brother. God bless. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Journey of Integral Recovery podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by iAwake Technologies. Visit IntegralRecoveryInstitute.com slash iAwake for the best meditation tracks to support your daily recovery practice. If you enjoyed today's episode, visit us on iTunes and hit subscribe for a new episode every Friday. While you're there, you can help others share the journey and the joy of integral recovery by leaving your five-star rating and a quick review. We're grateful for your support, and we'll see you next time on the Journey of Integral Recovery podcast.